This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Sit by my side Come as close as the air Sharing a memory of grey Wander in my world And dream about the pictures I play Of changes For much of the 20th century, Ireland was primarily known as a country of substantial net outward migration. Ireland had the highest net emigration rate in the European Union in the 1980s. But by the year 2002, Ireland had the highest net immigration rate in the European Union. Migrants to Ireland were of every type and condition, and for the purpose of this project, we are going to focus on a very particular group. Poets. Poetic Lives is a six-part series that follows the lives of six poets that, not having been born in Ireland, now live and produce their art in this country. Each programme is a blind date for the interviewer, who will only know the poet through the selection of poems and the brief biography sent to him by the poet. Following the path laid by the poems, the interviewer and the poet will talk about the life experiences and interests of the different poets and how they are reflected in the poems. All our guests have three common denominators. Poetry, migration and Ireland. From the Far East to America, from Africa to Europe, each poet will talk about expressing their very different experiences through the medium of poetry. Now it is time to listen to today's poet. A race around the stars A journey through On Abbey Hill Daisy on Abbey Hill is wild and beautiful and colourful too. Their eggs go kill for a heart unfurling, yellow, like a yolk in an egg. Something will live in it. If only they knew many that hold her tall and all whizzing below her roots. Don't ask for words that kill. For secrets she hides beneath. The earliest is more deceptful, and so she is wild, but beautiful, but colorful too. My name is Nitikasa. I am from the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I live in Ireland now, and I have been so for 10 years, and I am a student at Griffith College studying law. First of all, I am going to ask you to walk through the poem that you just read. There is a mix there between words like beautiful, colorful, several times, and then words like kill, the faithful. What is the meaning of that poem? Well, it's just, it's some of the poems that I've wrote about the lessons that I have learned in life. And some things that you come across, I've realized are not as as they may seem, as they may appear. So it's like the reality isn't always the appearance of something or the appearance. What we see is not always what's hidden inside. The core 
I might say, the core of the subject itself. And uh, this poem is one of them that it explains that we might see something as being ugly on the outside, but the inside might be pretty or something that looks beautiful and attractive on, on the outside, but hurtful inside. So it's just portrays, it's a presentation of all of us that we may look a particular way and we judge each other, but we don't really know what's going on deep inside, not ourselves, but other people when we look at them and they may be hurting and whatever the situations may be, but regardless, we are all beautiful, whether we're hurting or whatever, we are beautiful in our own ways. And uh, yeah, that's all that really matters really. Do not envy others, do not wish to have what others have, because it, it may not be as it seems, it's not the reality of things what we see outside and to be content with ourselves. Like I said, there is a line in the poems that says they ex with envy and we look at them all, look at their lives. It's so amazing. I wish I had that life. And then there is another one that says only if they knew. That's what it looks like. But only if we knew what was really going on inside the person's life, maybe we wouldn't have wished for it. Maybe we would have been glad that we have our own selves and our own ways of living. And that is the message behind the poem, that things are not always as they seem. Somebody listening to you but not seeing you will think that they are listening to a much older <laughs> person. Like they won't relate the explanation that you just have given yeah. to who I have in front of me like, <laughs> in the very early 20s. <laughs> God, but yeah, it's one of them anyways. And it's a lesson that I have noticed around the people. And it's also something that my mother has taught me. She will say, no, no, no. Don't say something about what they're doing. It's about you, what you want to do, where you're standing right now, where you want to go. Forget about everybody else. And that's the poem. It came behind it anyways. That's a good way of starting this conversation. <laughs> Now we will have to go back to the beginning yeah. and to the first poem that you wrote. Well, it wasn't always poetry that I began writing. It was actually songs because I started writing very, very young. I was in a choir back home in the DOC and and uh, we would have competitions about dancing and singing and I would write stuff. And you sing people's songs and it gets in your head and you get the pleasure to write something and I would write songs as well. But then when I came in Ireland and there was a, a magazine being published by the school and they would ask students to write their own stuff. And I wanted to write something that could relate to all of us and it's just a teacher thing it came and it was quite a very quick the exact words that I was thinking in my head exactly what I jot down and I never changed it or anything I just submitted and they looked at it and they said it's a great poem and I thought okay if they like it and I get encouraged to do it why not keep going and I kept going as well and when I went to secondary school I sent in this that's in Galway The English teachers there are absolutely amazing and they kept encouraging us and we have these debating societies and I was pretty much involved in it. They let you not only take part in it, but if you're good, they let you train the younger ones that are coming behind you. And it just gives you the pleasure, the desire, because you enjoy it and you just want to keep going. And that's where it all came from. Yeah. And the first poem I wrote was The Teacher. The Teacher. I, my teacher... The best job ever. I'm thrilled to be a teacher. You might become president, doctor, artist. But before that, you must pass by me, the teacher. I'm joyful to see my children run the world. 
no matter what you might think. I am proud to be called a teacher. I can't say why the, the people in your school love to see that. <laughs> I got the feedbacks from the teachers themselves because <laughs> they were quite proud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Would you see yourself as a teacher? God, no, no, absolutely not. I don't see myself as one at all. It's not for me. I don't think. I, I wouldn't say never because we don't really know. But right now, I don't see myself as a teacher. No, I don't. You started writing poems with this poem. Yeah. It's the first one in Ireland. Yes. But your poetry has brought you back to your country. Yeah. You use poetry to look at your country from afar? Not only where I come from, but everything around me. It's, there is an artistic something in everything. And it's it's very beautiful to, to turn it into a piece that you can read and have it there and remind yourself of a particular thing. Yeah, but it's not only the DOC, but the DOC would have a lot of impacts in me because I didn't come here as a baby. So I remember where I came from quite vividly I really do and it's inspired it inspires everything it inspires me because I know where I came from and it gives me the base to where I'm going so it's not something that you can just remove from your life and set apart but it's connected with myself so it can't be removed so I write about life and that is the beginning of my life and I write about it pretty much it's it has affected me really if I could be born a lot of times I would just pick the DOC because it's had such an impact in me. It's, it's, it's in everything I do, everything I do, family, future plans, memories, everything. It's in everything. So, yeah, I write about them as well. I think then the next poem that I was going to ask you to read will be perfect. The one that you describe your view of your country. Yes. And it's called Where I Come From. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Where I Come From. Where I Come From is a place deep down at the equator where the sun provokes with time to spare with great energy and great power so powerful it is that you can effortlessly see hot gases that were once ascetic fluid on the territory ascend through the shimmering sky and later when dark falls back down upon us as liquid When the dazed dark clouds cry their troubles down upon us, while the sun sleeps there and awakes elsewhere. Where I come from, winter is an alien to the people. You will never see houses and streets iced with a light pristing mount of white pasted dusts falling from the glassy sky, like in the north. The closest things we see to snow are the cotton fields that run from Kinshasa to Kimpese. And their magnificent view from the mountain tops arises, awakens the beauty of our home, our land. Where I come from, unlike the north, the black race is the dominant race. A place where you forget wealth, but never the definition of family through life experience. No matter where life might take me. I will always remember where I came from as a place like no other place. Thank you. Do you think that you suffer from what many of us immigrants suffer from, that we tend to idealize 
Yeah. What well, was it's the poem. Behind. The poem itself is very, very long, and it's got a lot of things in it as well. But we're trying to stay positive. No, I don't see it as a heaven. Well, it is a heaven, and I don't see it as a hell. It's just a place like any other place. We've got all struggles that we have to deal with. Well, of course, I idolize it like everybody else. Uh, our owns are very special, and I see my own as being first before everything else. Yeah. It is a place that I will idolize and it is my favorite place, regardless of the dramas and everything else. Yeah. Will you eventually go back? Mm, yes, absolutely. Are you not afraid that it could like, disappoint you, the reality? Uh, absolutely not. Home is home and reality is the reality. If there is something that needs our attention, that we need to give it our attention. If there are things that we need to enjoy, we will enjoy. And we are preparing ourselves for the future. We are getting educated and everything. So we can go back and fix the things, the cracks that needs to be fixed. So there is no disappointment. Home is home. Like our own bodies, we know the best And we know her weakness, but we embrace ourselves where we are encouraged to do so anyways, regardless. It is home and that's what it is for me. There is no disappointment. If there is something that needs to, to be fixed, then I'm pretty sure I will put myself forward. I will volunteer to do so for the love of my country. You don't blind yourself to uh, other realities. Absolutely not. I am fully aware of the realities. I know, I wouldn't say it's the best place ever. I know of flows and I know the troubles we had, but regardless, it is it is all home and it's all responsibility. If there is something that needs to fix, that is up to us. There is no disappointment. Home is home. And I will ask you to go to another poem because yeah. you look at other vision yeah. of your own country yeah. in this poem yeah. that is unwanted visitor. Yes. I want to visit her is not a very pleasant one. It's a poem written through the eyes of a child in a zone of conflict. It describes not a life but just an incident that might have happened. It's a reality, unfortunately, for many people and still is. It was and still is for a lot of people, but it's not wanted. It's nothing pleasant. That's why the poem is called Unwanted. It's something that comes and goes, but it's not wanted. Though I wanted visitors. From the park, they came. Where hideous trees stood for ages like giants dressed in green. Clouds of winged creatures hung above the earth where serpents hazed. We gazed skywards as the cloud flocked and clocked the land in a garment of darkness. Bodies dared the cold, and when the feet touched the ground, the world became a blank page. A path led to a towering gate held up by walls of solid bricks that bore pencil marks. At five, doors began to fling open. Anxious heads gazed out the windows amid the silence and grief that gripped every home. At dawn, we beheld walls dosed with blood. The first thing that actually attracted my attention in that yeah. poem was in the first line. They came. Yeah. You never mentioned who yeah. came. Well, it's the story that tells that there were people coming, but it also portrays they because we don't always know our enemies. We don't always know the people around us. So you have the enemies and the people that are your friends. You might think they're your friends, but actually they're your enemies. You know, like the theme of reality, the, the appearance versus reality. It kind of tells that 
We don't really know what started. We're not clear where they came from, what the story is, but they just came, yeah. Let's move a little bit. We cover the Congo. Yeah. And you were saying that you moved into Ireland not as a kid, as yeah. a teenager. Yeah. English is not an official language in Congo. Absolutely like, not. And I am very aware that all the poems are in English. What languages can you speak? What languages could you speak when you arrived in Ireland? And why did you choose to produce your poems mm. in English? Well, we got four official languages, which is French, Lingala, Kikongo, Chiluba, Swahili. But the one that the whole country would speak is Lingala. But school, the official um, professional language is French. So I would, uh, I, I would, I would have spoke French fluently and wrote in French before I came. But when I started writing the poems was also the time when I was being taught literature in English. So to practice my English as well, I would play with words. I would read dictionaries a lot, French, English, so I can understand stuff. And it just, it's, it got in it. And the thing as well, it's because over the years, my French and Lingala has decreased as well. So I'm not as fluent as I was and capable of producing work in them languages as I was back in the days. But English could be the language that I'm mainly comfortable with when it comes to literature, yeah. And the things that I was doing around the subject, the poetry, the readings and everything, they were all with an English audience. So it's made sense to produce them in a language that people can understand, yes. You were mentioning their poetry reading. You have had some success in that sense. How came that about? It came school. And like I said before, I mentioned before, I went to St. Enders and the teachers are amazing, amazing. You know, I was very shy at the start when I started school. A very shy girl. I didn't know the language or anything. Very quiet unto myself. Some people that are good at certain stuff, and I guess I was good at arts, and they noticed and they would encourage me to read poetry, to write, and get involved with different stuff, pick me for debating competitions, public speaking and everything, to represent the, the school. And that's how it kind of grew, the love of it. I became more involved and I got into it and I never stopped, yeah. The next point that I'm looking at, all that is left. All that is left is inspired by my late grandfather, who was... Blind. He was blind. I don't know how it came about, but I, I met him when he was blind. But apparently he wasn't always like that. It's, a, it's something that came about in his old age. And we didn't know him very long. And he passed away when I was still back in the DOC. And uh, I was thinking about him and the poem just came. And it's named All That Is Left. So well, all that he left in my head, I tried to put it down in papers. That's why the poem is called All That Is Left. So it's it's a tribute to him. Unfortunately, it's in English, so he wouldn't have read it anyways if he was here. All that is left. What you would have seen gazing in your eyes ever after were the moons, like bulbs, dancing. Ashes lonestrians untombed your showstones browns dipped to toe. The eclipses linkage years. The globes like petals deep laid in immortal darkness that you knew. But after, ogets like sentinels, they were wretched with bohemian bells. Think Saturn's or Arul's brights like that. Screening of frequent scrutinies of your normal deeds. The hide and seek of the slender cane. Your tamed pet's pitch that posed close the feet of a chair carved. I see. 
the waning crescent moon, hanging in our house sunlight. Your hair, the frozen winter grass. You see, I remember memories. The dancey one is you, still unscatched as to you. Now, as you are here, a star of the moment cloned unwintingly like rivers flow, undoubtedly, as the galaxies tinged prints like dyed streams, training our eyes. And what about Ireland? Most of the poems that you have chosen for yeah. this interview have been looking from Ireland, yeah. but looking at. At Africa, looking yeah. at the Congo, yes, you use kind of a distant yeah. mirror to yeah. look at the Congo. Yeah, do you tend to look at your life here as well and put it on paper? I do, like stuff like Abizel, and they're the lessons that we're coming through in life, and other poems like Billy, the, the, the lessons that I learned as well. And I do have other poems written, but not really about landscape. Because I don't think landscape will have that much an impact on me. Usually it's the circumstances and the people that affect you. It's kind of sings in your head and you try to write down the lyrics that are in your head down that my poetry is based on, yeah. But mostly it's about the things that are close to me. And I guess I have a string I'm attached to, to the DRC. I am attached, being pulled back. I'm pulling forward, but the string... It's where I came from, back in the DOC. So wherever I came from, you kind of have to pull. If you want to move, you have to pull the string a little further. You kind of have to look backwards. And it's always over there where I came from. Yeah, that's why. But I write about everything, everything in general, not only over there. It's just that it's got a, a much stronger impact on me. That's why, yeah. As an example of those that they are not looking particularly at the Congo, do we have one here that is called... Billy. Yeah. Billy, it's it's just it's a poem that is inspired by karma. It's it's just a, a it's a very uh short one and it's just got a bit of rhyme in it. It's just a poem that it's came behind the whole karma thing, you know. So and uh, I wrote it very simple, very very easy. Billy. Billy you be in stigmas in bloom. Then gone my roses bleed. You heard It's blue, what roads we grew to that stony loves, whose fast as whistles blows, and got no single loan, lover of this silver moon, and owes all wishima goose, and hunts with honey dusts, and sets for your honey sweets, you of honey bees, be careful, as think is all to care. If I look at the poems that we yeah. have gone through, yeah. there are two different strands. One is looking at your family yeah. and what you remember of Congo. Yeah. And another one is deceive viewers of reality yeah. and not reality. Yeah. The, the, the difference. Because in this one, we yeah. go back to that same, that same idea of yeah. not everything that you uh, see it, is, is what it looks what, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Billy's just, it's, it's, it's just came in my head. And I, I haven't really done much work with it. You can see it's a few lines. It's, I just wrote it away. It sounded in my head. It's a karma thing. And I had the idea. Now, it didn't happen to anybody. It didn't happen to anybody. But it's the idea behind the karma. And I just had 
the the lines running in my head and I jot them down. Yeah, that's what it is. Do you see yourself now living and studying in Dublin? Yeah. But can you see yourself staying in Ireland or you are preparing yourself for a life as an educated woman back in Congo? Well, Ireland is home to me now. I've been here as much as I have been in Congo, nearly. So it is my home. Yeah, I, I do plan staying here. I do see myself here later in life, and it's a base for me, and it's it's my second home, really, is what I would say, yeah. So I don't see myself leaving the country completely. If I have to walk somewhere, I have to visit somewhere, I will go, but I will never come to Ireland like a tourist or something to see things or anything. No, it is my home. I'm based here. I've, I've grew up here. A part of me has grown here. I was a child in this country and I have a different view of the country than other migrants have. That might have came here older for work or whatever. They see it as just a place, maybe for second opportunity or whatever, and move to a different place when things don't work out, if they don't get what they want. But for me, it's home. I came here, I wasn't looking for life. I was just a child. I didn't come here for work or anything. So it is my second home. And I do see myself staying longer, yeah. If you want to say goodbye to the program with yeah. a poem, you are welcome to it. Yeah, and the poem I will read is The Blind Spot of the Lord which pretty much is centered with everything that's going on around the world now. We're all exhausted with the violence and the horrible things that are kind of stuffed in the news and we hear every day. And that's just, this is a poem behind it. It's about, it's about like, it, it's a, it reflects the DOC as well. The DOC and what's happening, what, what I have seen in the DOC and uh, what's been ringing in the media lately with the, the all terrorism going on and so much blood so much violence so i wrote this poem it's it's like a prayer to oh lord because most of us believe in a god and the war of religion as well a lot of people are fighting about religion it's all about religion god this god that so it's like a, a plea to war god so i'm kind of looking um, at the god poem anyway it's like we're stuck in the blind spot of the lord the blind spot of the lord in it all i've walked The wind shivers, a fervor, a madness screams, crushing, wrinkling the bones of the seas, hailing. It's the girls that rise, wiping, leaving the livings worn, scuttling bare above their dead, the unsettled phantoms roving on their pavements. They hear the sobs, they know their faces, hopeful, they dream. The hunchbacked land they live in gets up, dust off the sins, blunks the sun at twilight and drunk with lights all of nights. The air too should be tuned, a woman's song should suit. The moon is now a romantic as the prison's watch lights bold, grayish white like a blended eye forcing to see in our dungeon. Times it hides. But you see it blaze, cutting through the black haze, through it like a blazing blade of a newly cut silver knife. It knows too well the danger we live in, a world cruising a gloomed gulf, a gulf within the blind spot of our good God. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Where in hell can you go? 
Far from the things that you know Far from this concrete sprawl That keeps crawling its way About a thousand miles a day Take one last look behind Commit this to memory and mind Don't miss Thanks to Niti Kasia for sharing her poetry with us. In today's programme, the interview was carried out by Iñaki Irigoyen, and he will be back next week with another poet in the next programme of Poetic Lives. But to find out who will be next week's poet, our listeners will have to tune in to Near FM 90.3. Thanks for listening. We hope you like this week's programme of Poetic Lives and that you will tune in again next week. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.